On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by several guests as we discuss the memories of wrestling from their childhood. In this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Spud. Spud, you're back. Back again. Tell a friend you're here. I'm back and better than ever. Got a knack for making things better, so I'll just I'll continue to maintain the streak. As we've said, the most important streak in wrestling. Yeah, I'm the phenom of the podcast. <laughs> We're talking today about childhood wrestling and what got you invested in wrestling. So I'm going to fire straight into question number one for Spud. What cool. got you interested in wrestling or what attracted you to the product? I would say, I would always say that 98 is like the big year that got me hooked. But I was, I've talked about that before. So I was looking like further back. 97, I watched it a bit. I like the characters, the computer games as well. The PlayStation games really got me into it. I was into like fighting games, so it kind of went hand in hand. I liked the characters. I liked larger than life storylines. Um, I was becoming a teenager, and all the it was geared towards me. It fit in with everything else that was sort of happening happening on TV at the time. Uh, you know, Jackass, South Park, this kind of edgy stuff. Yeah, I believe it kind of shaped the way my sort of sense of humor and stuff like that. That's those sort of formative years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just from a young age, like I said, I was trying to think of my very earliest memory, and it would have been playing. Do you remember in your house on PlayStation? Yes, I do. It was like the arcade version where British Bulldog turned into a bulldog and tried to bite you and stuff. Yeah. I had that before I'd ever seen wrestling. <laughs> And so I was like, who's this guy? Why is this guy, like Hunter Hearst Helmsley, hitting people with a cane and stuff, you know? And also, like, even before that, my older brother had, like, annuals with Ultimate Warrior and stuff like that on it. So, yeah, it was just, it's the characters that draw you in and then the stories that sort of keep you there, I would say. For most people, I would say that's sort of the same. It seems to be sort of a universal one from everyone I've done these sort of interviews with. It's something that clicked with them when they were younger and something yeah. that maybe as you talked about your formula of years, something that just maybe clicked and got you hooked that way. But one yeah. thing I want to touch on is you talked about different people there. You mentioned Ultimate Warrior and stuff and you mentioned 98 being the year that really got you into wrestling. Give me one massive childhood memory or even storyline that kept you hooked the entire time and you had to see what happened next. So maybe you tuned in next week or whatever. Sure. Uh, Well, 98 pretty much, I mean, it started in 97. Vince versus Austin is obviously the big one. I'm sure a lot of people are talking about that. But uh, Taker and Kane, I think, is the best storytelling that WWFE, whatever you want to call it, uh, have ever done. Um, Like I said, 98 sort of my the year that I got proper invested but I watched it from like sort of 97 so I remember Kane debuting um I remember Kane is here Undertaker your brother's alive and all that yeah um that keep that kept me hooked it was the WrestleMania 14 match I was most looking forward to every match I was like this is class I was always into like the bigger guys um it's just larger than life, you know, it's what attracted me. Yeah. Very much like Vince in that sort of aspect. Um, yeah, so I would say 
definitely. 98's probably one of the best years for storytelling. Uh, the Kane Undertaker, you had DX, you had The Rock, uh, Nation, everybody like that. But Taker, Kane, and Vince, Austin, pretty much right the way through. Could yeah. do no wrong from 98 all the way to 2000, probably. Yeah. And me being me being a sort of 10-year-old kid, that's it's geared towards me. Yeah. You know? I mean, so. as, you, as you were talking there about 98, between like Taker and Kane, it, it's funny because they sort of started that in 97 and carried the way through, but they started 1998 with the big Kane setting fire to the Undertaker's coffin with Taker in it at the Rumble. And yes. even at the end of that year, the end of 1998, with like, there was Austin hitting the Undertaker in the head with a shovel and Kane shoving Paul Bear in a sewer. They were still <laughs> revisiting Kane and Undertaker throughout that whole year in different parts, whether they were together, maybe at like breakdown, but maybe yeah. towards the end of the year, they were beginning to feud again. So it was definitely were, a draw, were even, a moneymaker. Yeah, they were even like fighting. There was three ways we Austin for the title, and they both pinned Austin at the same time. Yeah, and there was sort of a seed sown for them becoming a tag team and stuff like that. So I loved it. I loved that whole thing, setting people on fire, like crew guys. I I was actually really scared of Kane as a kid. I had yeah. nightmares about Kane. So <laughs> it's effective, you know. It's it's really good storytelling, but it kept me engaged. And yeah. the next year. You know, I'm feeling sorry for Kane because he's getting bullied by X Pac. So <laughs> that's that's just really good storytelling in my eyes. Well you've you've talked about Kane, Taker, Austin, Vince, stuff like that. I wanna know maybe I should rephrase this different. I was gonna ask who your favourite wrestler is and why did they draw you in. Maybe over time your favourite wrestler has changed, but who was maybe your favourite wrestler at that period of time when you were a kid and you were watching it for those maybe first few years? Who was your favourite and why did they draw you into wanting to watch the product? Well, just uh, like I said, I was always a fan of the bigger guys. So um, your takers, Kane's. Kane eventually, I would say Kane and Taker are the big two. Um, I obviously liked The Rock because he talked about monkey bombs and whatever and I was 10. And Austin. I like the lower guys. Obviously, you know that I like Dato Brown and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um but I would say just the main event scene was amazing back then. So I loved Mankind and Dude Love. Nobody likes Dude Love, but I like Dude Love. <laughs> but yeah, definitely it has to be Taker. It has to be Taker and then Key in a close second. Yeah. You mentioned there were cards that there were super there were superheroes. I'm a big comic book guy. Yeah. It's literally good versus evil and there's intricacies because uh, well Taker did burn the house down and stuff like that so why would cheering him this poor guy's burnt the crisp but it's it's questioning yourself and it's not as as easy as just good and evil because there's like little deviations away from it you know yeah when you're a kid this is like the best thing going two things first you mentioned dude love you said nobody mentions dude love or likes dude love dude <laughs> love versus austin at um over the age 98 is actually one of my favorite steve austin matches i thought the entire match was brilliant i thought taker being the enforcer and then them beginning that program right through to austin taker at SummerSlam. i thought everything about it was excellently done second point you talked about like different people there and the intricacies that maybe kept you hooked and you were 10 and you were desperate to watch it and you, you enjoyed watching it and stuff Brings me to my last question and probably the one that you might want to spend a bit the most time on. 
there's obviously a difference between the modern product and the product back then that got you engaged. What is the difference for you between now and then and what either makes you enjoy today's product more or makes you mm-hmm. not interested in today's product? Well, it's hard to sort of compare, you know, when you first, you know, you know, you know, become Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> it's hard to compare when you first discover something to 20 years later where you're watching it with jaded eyes, let's say. Yeah. So it's that's why nostalgia is so important, especially today. Um, I was thinking about, like, would I enjoy today's product if I was 10 today? I'm not 100% sure I would. Like, I'm trying to put myself back then. I think I probably would watch it if if all my mates were watching it, but it wouldn't have got me hooked as much. I don't know. They're kind of directionless at the minute, and COVID's being blamed for it and not having fans, etc. But I don't know who... Like, let's take Raw, for example. Who's Raw sort of... I thought maybe it's aimed at kids... But now you've got people losing eyeballs and riders putting bricks through windows and um, Dominic Mysterio getting caned within an inch of his life. So do six-year-olds want to sit and watch somebody get absolutely mangled? So who is it for? Is it for teenagers? No, they're watching AEW. So I do, I, I let, it's not for me. I'm not watching it at the minute. I don't like it at the minute, uh, comparative. So... I think it's, like I said, it was all about storytelling. Um, take Kane and Undertaker, for talk's sake. Um, he debuted, I think it was November 97, Kane. Yeah. And they didn't fight until Mania. And obviously they gave Taker time off, so that didn't happen. But compare it to a feud today. Yeah. Um, say Kevin Owens versus Seth uh, Rollins going into Mania. You had them on every week. 20 minute dialogues nobody was getting set on fire and that's big <laughs> that's big for me um, there was it's just why do you not like him uh, I just don't like him don't like the way he's getting on well I don't I get on this way because the fans made me this way and it's like ah, it's the same every time it's very samey but again I know it's not I was talking to you guys in the group chat Yeah. I'm not a selfish guy I'm not going to go on Twitter and say it should be done like this this and this it's just not for me at the minute. Yeah. I, I always like to make comparisons. Uh, so compare it to like a band who peaked in the 90s. Compare it to Eminem. There we go. Eminem <laughs> peaked. He debuted about 97. So there we go. That's bang on when I started watching wrestling. I was really into Eminem, the first like four albums. This last couple of albums, I'm like, eh, it is what it is. It's not for me anymore. I'll yeah. go back and listen to some old stuff. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I know you have. I know Pete uh, that you've had a conversation with is doing it at the minute. I'm looking at a lot of old WCW thing. The network's your friend. Yeah. Uh, I'll dip in and out. I'll watch SummerSlam this weekend. And hopefully it's good. If it's not, eh, I'll just go on about my day. I'm not going to go on Twitter and complain to everybody that it should be the way I want it to be. WWE are too broad. They're trying to appeal to everyone and getting no one. And I think AEW are too narrow. They're trying to appeal um, to my, in my opinion, pander to a very, very small demographic that 
700,000 to a million people, those hardcore fans, which I would consider myself to be, but it's just not for me at the minute. So That's... Yeah, so Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, so ultimately it's really down to... You've probably changed as a person, obviously, since you watched it when you were 10 to now. So the things that you're interested in have obviously changed, but we've talked about this before. There's, a, there's There is a desire there to be engaged and to pop and to get excited for wrestling. And I'm even putting words in your mouth by saying this, but you're almost a bit unfulfilled. So you'll you'll just like you know what it's not gonna happen. I'm not enjoying myself. It's not entertaining to me. It's supposed to be an entertainment product, so I'm not gonna watch. Well, I've said before that uh, being a wrestling fan is a lot of waiting around, and like I said, I read comics, so I'm used to long storytelling. It's it's a lot of waiting around for one big moment. You watch like ninety percent. Ugh. All right, and then eventually you'll get a Kofi moment, or you'll get a Daniel Bryan moment. Or you'll get a good cash in, or you'll get uh, an RKO out of nowhere, and it'll be like, ah, oh, class, that was good. But they're few and far between at the minute. And uh, I've dipped in and out. I dipped out about 2003 before because it wasn't interesting me. I always come back to it. Yeah. Do you know, I, did, I will keep an eye on it, but at the minute, it's just not for me. Um, I do not like AEW's entire sort of production, the wink and the nudge and looking at the camera. That's not for me. It's just not... And WWE, like I said, there's no big stars at the minute. I think if you asked anybody in the street, the last person that would have remembered is John Cena, and he's not around anymore. Like, who's the stars? So it's just not engaging me as well as it could be. Um, And, yeah, I've got you, I've got Twitter... I'll know when it gets good again, but there's so much. Ne- <laughs> I'll know when it gets good again, but there's so much negativity, and half of them hate AEW, half of them hate WWE. It's hard to find the good stuff because everybody's fighting about what's good and what's not. Yeah. So I'm just gonna keep dipping in night. Me and you'll have a conversation every now and again, and hopefully it gets good soon. But I can't see it happening anytime soon. Well, Spud, it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you for your time as always. You've kept the streak alive, and the streak will continue. So thank you so much for your time today, Spud. All the best, Patsy. Always a pleasure. Thank you. But I have a very special guest joining me today for the next set of questions. It is Ash Wilson from the Cathedral Sport Podcast. Ash, welcome to the show and tell my listeners all about you and all about your podcast. Hi, guys. Ash from the Cathedral Sport Podcast. We're a new podcast, basically. Uh, We cover all sports. We do an F1 show. We do a football show. We do a US sports show. We get special guests on as well. We've had two ex-footballers on this week. We've got a, a Muay Thai k1 x world champion on next week so you know we're, that's that's the sort of thing we we do it's all about the guests and getting interviews in there and and just doing roundups of sports and stuff like that uh we just we work out of edinburgh in scotland uh but our, our audience is uk but we've even <laughs> we've had people in cyprus listen belgium australia so it's kind of kind of got out there more than more than we thought it would to be honest yeah, very good. And Ash, where can where can the listeners find you? You're on Twitter. Yeah, we're on Twitter at Cathedral underscore Sport. We are also on Anchor, which is Anchor.fm forward slash Cathedral Sport. 
we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Pocket Casts, and all the all the usual platforms where you can you can listen to us. So just subscribe to us and or give us a favourite or something like that when when and as you give us a listen. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, please check Ash's work out. Please check the podcast out. It's a very good show. I've listened to a couple of their episodes. Really, really enjoyed it. But Ash, I've got we're going to talk wrestling today. Maybe something that you're not so much a big fan into now and we'll talk about that as we go but question number one for you what got you into wrestling what got you interested in wrestling or what attracted you to professional wrestling well just by chance really i mean my nan was because i lived with my nan and granddad quite a lot when i was little and my nan was a big wrestling fan of like the old british wrestling like giant haystacks and kendo nagasaki and stuff like that we we couldn't look. We couldn't afford satellite or Sky Sports or cable or anything like that. So when WCW came onto free to air on on ITV with Channel Three back in the early nineties, you know she switched it straight on and and, and showed me it and and basically got me into it, you know. And so I started watching it from there. That's how I got into it. So yeah, for my for my nan. Yeah, brilliant. And your your nan was your nan a fan of WCW or is it just really the old British style and then sort of switched off with the WCW stuff? Yeah, uh, <laughs> she 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 liked a couple of guys on the WCW, um, but she'd sit there and watch it with me, you know. And she she used to tell me every, every opportunity that Giant Haystacks was the best and her favourite, <laughs> and would beat all these guys and all this sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, old women like, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you've sort of talked about when you watched it with your nan and all that sort of thing when you were younger. So I'm going to ask for a massive childhood memory, something that you've seen in terms of wrestling that kept you hooked or made you want to see next week's show? Uh, there, there, do you know what? There's been so many over the years. I mean, I'll go, I'm going to give you a WCW example and I'll give you a WWF example. Now, the WCW example was the, there was an ongoing storyline right, years and years ago with a tag team, the Harlem Heat, which included Booker T. Yep. And I was like a huge fan of them. They're like my favourite tag team. And there's also this is when Sting was world champion as well. And you know there's a there was a storyline going on with them and another tag team about about Sherry, um, who, who was at ringside and stuff like that. And there was a constant that going on. And and then and the, and the, and the tag team titles cha- changing back and forth nearly every other week. And it just kept, it just got me hooked. You know, it's just like the whole storylines, the whole gimmicks, and you know the, the the mystery of who these characters were and and stuff like that. WWF wise, I mean, I didn't get into that until a bit later uh, when I st- when I started secondary school. Yeah. But I was lucky enough to start secondary school in 1998, with the year of the King of the Ring, and undertake mankind hell in a cell. Yeah. You know, just, just uh, about to become a teenager and that, and you got this, you know, they got the the attitude era, the hardcore era about to start. It was just mesmerising stuff. It was must watch TV. You, you couldn't you, you couldn't miss an episode. You couldn't miss a show at all. Yeah, I think it was. It was one of those sort of time periods where I think everyone just watched in awe. Because when you when you sort of thought wrestling, you're sort of seeing like big blown up cartoon characters, and then all of a sudden it sort of became this like, is this real? Wow. Yeah, that's what I, I like the gimmicks of it. And when I was a kid, you know, the the, the characters I, I really bought into. Yeah. And especially like people like Mankind and Kane, because you genuinely believed that Kane, <laughs> Kane was going to take his brother and he had been burnt in a house fire and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And Mankind's like mad persona and <laughs> you, know, you, you bought into it. It had you hooked, you know, you, it, you, everyone thought Stone Cold was this like lunatic alky that just went go around like a, a battering ram and 
oh it's great it was absolutely great yeah i wish i wish, wish it's still like that i know okay, i think well, it, i think everyone does <laughs> I think um, you've mentioned Kane there, you mentioned Sting, you mentioned Booker T, Austin, Mankind, Taker. Who's your favourite wrestler and what about them drew you in to watch their product? Right, so I would, I would say I've, I've got two because of the, the whole the brand thing, WCW and WWF. So when I was when I was young, obviously I'm, I'm going to mention Sting again. Yeah. He was, he was the man, you know, he was uh, the world champion. I, I'd be devastated if he lost and, and stuff like that and but later on in life, when I started, you know, watching WWE as well, I'm, I'm going to have to say Triple H. You know, I, I'm a massive fan of, like, the high flyers, like, like the old Shawn Michaels and the acrobatics and stuff like that. But yeah. you start, as you get older, you start appreciating the the technical aspect of it as well. So I, I honestly do truly believe that Triple H is the best technician in the game, the best all-rounder technical wrestler. Kurt Angle can have as a big shout out as well because actually wrestled properly at the Olympics but um, I, I would say Triple H just for, for what he's done what he's achieved and also he's, he's you know he's still in the brand isn't he he's, he's still one of the main faces of the brand still to this day when he's, he joined 1996 or something as Hunter yeah. Hearst Helms came from WCW and he's, he's 20, 24 25 years later he's still he's still there and I was lucky enough I went to uh, I went to wrestling two or three years three years ago actually with my stepson i took him to the the hydro in glasgow yeah and i i i ticked off a bit of my bucket list i got to see triple h live and come out to his entrance music and spit the water (laughs) and i was more excited than all the kids around me to see that you know (laughs) yeah i've always wanted to see that since i was a kid and finally finally got to see him but obviously it's it's slowed up quite a lot you know ages ages caught up with him and he's yeah it was quite slow so but uh, still, still the best technical wrestler, in my opinion. Yeah, it's funny that you're talking about Triple H and you go to see him and you see the entrance music and it ticked off the bucket list. Um, I seen Steve Austin at an event. He came out to open the show. And right there, I was like, I don't care if the, sh- the show could end. And I'm happy. I've seen what yeah. I've always wanted to see. I could take it off the bucket <laughs> list. I'm good. And it is. it's one of those moments where you just go crazy. And it, it, it it's, it's, a, it's funny that... You relate so much to, to your childhood. Well, that's what I did anyway. When Austin came out, I was sort of like, oh my goodness. I remember 1998 when I was like, what, nine years old, like screaming the house down as he like attacked Vince McMahon and stuff. And then all of a sudden here comes this guy and I'm now, what, 25 and I'm still going nuts. You know, I just thought it's it's a really, really cool, cool thing. But last question for you. Yeah. Is there a difference between the wrestling now and when you watched as a kid and what makes you love today's product or what makes you not so interested in today's product? Back when I was a kid, now, there was more gimmicks around. There there was there was things like the earthquake and people like that and the million dollar man and IRS and, and people like that. These, you know, they had gimmick names. Yeah. Uh, the nasty boys as well. Now, everyone these days uses their proper name. So there's no, there's not that sense of mystery anymore. And also back then in the day, they were never out of character. I, I read a lot of stuff on the Nasty Boys, and they, if they went to a restaurant or a bar or a park or anywhere, they were never out of character. They would be exactly the same as they would have been on the TV, and which makes it all that more believable. Even to adults, that would make that more believable, you know. But when you get in this era now, it's because of social media as well. 
kayfabe's completely died. So you know what they're up to. You know what they're having for dinner every day. You know, they're, they're posting pictures of them and their family. And, and you're like, well, he's not an undertaker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and stuff like that. And he's not this and he's not that. And it's just not, it's just not believable. It's just not, you know, the sense of mystery and, and fun with the imagination is, is all gone. The, I will give a shout out though to one wrestler who does stay in character, the Miz. Yeah. He's probably the only one left that actually stays in character all the time. Cause when we went to that show in Glasgow, we were talking to some other fans and, um, they went to get something signed off him when he, he, he was in one of the shopping centers in Glasgow. Yeah. And, he was he was the Miz the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they were like, he he's he's no different to what he is in the ring. And I just thought to myself, that's great. I, said, I wish it, more wrestlers could be like that these days. Yeah. Another thing I'm going to say is a bit controversial as well. Um, I'm not a massive fan of women's wrestling. Now, it's just like I'm not a massive fan of men snowboarding, for example. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not a, it's it's something I've never really watched. I've never really been into. Um, and most of the shows now seem to be like sort of, it's all, all, they're trying to push the women's wrestling like as the main thing. And, you know, it's, it, when I, when I was growing up, it was, it was a young boys thing, you know, it was, it was what all the boys were into. Like none of the girls in my year yeah. watched wrestling at all. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being like anti female or sexist or chauvinist or anything like that. I'm just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't do it for me. I, you know, the, the physicality isn't there. I mean, I don't really take pleasure in seeing a woman smack another woman over the head of a chair, <laughs> to be honest, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we're in the PG era now as well. And it's just, there's nothing wrong with it being like family friendly in a way, but, you know, I, I wanted to see someone put for a table from like 60 foot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then get, and then, or put through the top of a hell in a cell, having their tooth come out the top of their mouth and then walking back to the ring for even more, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what I want to see. That's what I miss. And I think, you know, call me a bit of a, like, I don't know, I'm not, not psychotic or anything, but <laughs> I think we all enjoyed that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's no, yeah. like, it's no coincidence that that was the, the highest time period in the rest, in the industry in terms of their, not only their TV ratings, but, their merchandise sales and everything like that. I think people were just invested in the characters, in the in the personas, in the people. Like I, I just remember when you watched a wrestling event, you turned the TV on, the amount of people there with signs, with their Austin three sixteen T shirts or with their the game T shirts or whatever it was at the time. It was just red hot. Whereas now you sort of turn it on, and I know it's different this year specifically with no fans, but you turn it on and it seems a very subdued crowd comparatively to maybe when we watched as a kid and i think it it's sort of reflective of the product in a sense there's not that edge or that shock factor which you want with no. the product in my opinion no there isn't um i mean it all starts with simple things as well like commentary jim ross no one calls it a wrestling match like jim ross you know um bradshaw is not too bad booker's not bad i've never really liked michael cole um ring announcer as well no one would ever feel Howard Finkel's boots. It's it, it's just getting the, the talent's getting worse. Instead of instead of the talent getting better, it's getting it's getting worse. So you know, but as, as touching on the point about what you just said about how we bought into the characters and all this sort of stuff as well, and the merchandise and stuff like that. Now I went to a show when I was a kid with well, I was about 
13, 14 with a couple of mates from school yeah. at Fairfield Halls in Croydon and in South London. And they put on a, there was a couple of like local wrestlers on it. And, but most of the characters on there were like the fake Stone Cold or the fake Undertaker. They were actually called Stone Cold or Undertaker. You know, you had the real Bushwhackers there as well, the actual real ones. But even though it was the fake ones, the fake Undertaker and all that, everyone still bought merchandise there. Everyone, like the pop that he got when he came out, even though it was, he wasn't the real one, yeah, was huge. It, the arena was full. It's not even a big arena. It was about a thousand, one and a half thousand, but it was, it was full. You, you know, you couldn't get a ticket. Tickets sold out ages in advance and stuff like that. Can you imagine that nowadays? Uh, you know, people thinking, oh, I want to go and see a fake Drew Galloway or, uh, <laughs> or uh, what's that guy's name? Oh, what's his name? I don't know that. But you know what I mean anyway. It's yeah. it's, it's not the same. It's uh, A lot of wrestling fans agree. A lot of wrestling fans now are going to like indie shows and stuff like that. But even even then, even with like Impact Wrestling and stuff like that, which I, I don't think it... The storylines are that bad in Impact Wrestling, to be fair. Uh, yeah. I've watched it a couple of times on Free, on free Sports uh, a couple of nights, and I think they're only getting a crowd of like 200 and that, but their storylines are 10 million times better, even yeah. though they're still not great. They're still 10 million times better than WWE, and people are still filling arenas. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know how. But even in Impact, they're using their real names. They're using their... There's a couple of gimmicks in there, but it's just, nah, you need, you, you need especially for the kids, they need that, that, that character, that imagination, that, you know, is this guy going to be a lunatic if yeah. I ever met asked him for an autograph or <laughs> you know it, it's it's just not the same yeah. at all no I agree with you um, Ash I really appreciate you taking the time out today and jumping on the podcast for me I know you're obviously incredibly busy with your own podcast but thank you so much for spending the time with me and I'm sure we'll do this again at some point yeah well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for thanks for having me on Welcome back to the podcast. It has been a while, but I am delighted to get you back on. What's going on? How's your day been? What's happening? Day's been good. Just sort of trying to get through day by day with all the stuff that's happening back home around the world sort of things. But uh, no, all's good. All's good. Look forward to do the podcast with you. Yeah, let's, let's get right into it, mate. Question number one. What got you interested in wrestling or what attracted you to wrestling? I have like an older brother who is five, six years old around me. And I must have been like five, six, so he was like 10, 11. And I think I was just used as like a tackling dummy for the first <laughs> couple of years. It was just like, I, I just remember being like hit with clotheslines and putting figure four leg locks and proper sharpshooters where it actually broke my back. You know, like not done properly, just done by like a kid. Yeah. Or a kid like, but that's, that's sort of what got, got me into it. Like sort of having the big brother who was into it and uh, being just used with all the wrestling moves on me but no that's that's sort of it and uh the characters back then like you always had the big 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 fellas like the hulk hogan's and all they always that's what i sort of remember watching yeah. the like, hulk hogan and the warrior and luger yeah sort of, they all drew me all the big muscle bound ones back yeah. in the day were they your favorites would you have been drawn to hulk hogan was he sort of your guy or who was sort of your favorite at that, at that stage anyway I think Hulk Hogan was sort of the guy that got you, got you into it. Like he had the tan, the flipping big muscles, and the the 
eat your vitamins and say your prayers, you know, like he was that. He sort of like got Jim Tipper. I wouldn't put him down as my favourite, obviously, as time went on. I yeah. just remember him being the first one, sort of thing. Yeah. He's sort of the first one that really stood out for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which I'm sure he's well he's well known, like, and pretty popular, like. Probably- yeah, true. I mean, give me one one big childhood memory, apart from your brother putting you in the sharpshooter. <laughs> give me <laughs> yeah. a big childhood memory that kept you hooked or made you want to keep watching wrestling. It was funny because this one actually it gets it didn't really have to think about this. Like I remember my first childhood memory because obviously when I started watching it, I think it was always used to watch the Monday night. Was it Raw was always on a Friday night, I think. Yeah. Like Ten o'clock, and I always remember obviously being sort of too young to watch it live or not live but taped. But we yeah. just put it on the VCRs and record them. But I remember the first pay per view I sat up and watched, and it was uh something I always remember being off school the next day. Uh-huh. And that was the WrestleMania, Michaels and Brad the Ironman match. Yeah. Actually, WrestleMania, 12. WrestleMania, 12. Yeah. I, I just remember standing up and watching that. And uh, just both of them being, like, rather than me now looking back, like, both of them were my favourites at that time. Yeah. Like, how ironic that they both of them really hated each other, but they were, yeah, they were both my favourites, so they were at the time. And uh, stand up all night to watch it and watching that. And then I finished in the draw. Remember, was it one each, I think? Yeah, no, uh, no one no. had a fault finishing a no draw, one. and Brett sort of thought, okay, it's a draw, I'm leaving with a belt, and then... Yeah, and I remember thinking, I could take out a draw, that's okay, like, everyone sort of went to the draw, and then I remember Grilla Monsoon coming out. Yeah. So, uh, it goes in overtime, or extra time, overtime, would he say, and then... Yeah. Came back, and Brett lost with a sweet chair music by Michaels, and I remember being sad, but even though I probably would have been <laughs> sad either way, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but that, I, I was sort of that's my earliest memory. Sort of stand up. That was my first pay per view. Stand up. It was like twelve. Like being only I think it was only seven or something at the time. It was cool. Stand up late and all. I remember having the yeah. sleeping bags and all downstairs. No thing else is great. Stand up late and watching it and all live instead yeah. of taping and watching it next day. But that was definitely my first real childhood sort of memory. First pay per view. Remember? Remember yeah. it was yesterday. And they were both brilliant. You know, they were both unbelievably talented in their own right. I mean, a lot of people have them in the, the sort of the GOAT conversation and, and rightfully so in my opinion both yeah. of them I thought both of them were, were excellent you had Brett being the ultra professional and Sean being absolutely mental until maybe yeah. his return in 02 but just two a brilliant just two brilliant wrestlers definitely definitely were and like I think sometimes now you don't appreciate how good they were I think obviously when you're back you're, you're a kid and all, but when you watch back now like if I ever watch the network and just flick on like I can just go back and watch any Michaels match from years ago or any Brett and they're just brilliant. Like, they're just top quality matches they always had, like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's, um, definitely for me, Brett was always, like, my number one. I, I would usually always say he'd be up there as my number one as a kid because I just used to love, remember the shades he had? Yeah. And I always remember, I always, like, always put them on a kid in the front row. Yeah. And I just remember being a kid thinking, I would just love to be, like, a kid and get them shades because I always think they look class and all. Yeah. But definitely, definitely, definitely two of them are. Two of them were great so they were, and that, that Armand match, you could go back and watch that, and still, it's an absolute classic, like, that's so many years ago, like. Yeah, it's it's interesting, too. I've sort of been going back and watching a lot of the older stuff, maybe stuff that I either missed, glanced over, didn't care about when I yeah. grew up. Like, I sort of got into it in 97, which, in my opinion, is probably, apart from the screw job, obviously a horrible ending for Brett, but probably his best year, in my opinion, or one of the two best years. 
and yeah. WWF, I thought he, he was amazing in 97 as that heel. But I've went back and watched a few random pay-per-views from like 95 and 96 and watched even Bret and Perfect at SummerSlam and then Bret and Bulldog at SummerSlam 92. Like yeah. his matches, some of his moves are the same, but every match is different. There's a different story there in every yeah. single match. And I think that's a credit to how good he was. That's what I mean. I don't think, I think sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserved. So we didn't notice until now. You look back and you can go back and, like you say, watch the network and watch all the his old matches and you see how good they all were. Like the one, the one he fought, I think, was Owen Hart. Him yeah. and Owen Hart had a match I think, in the garden. It was great. I, I only watched that a few months ago actually. And the Bulldog, don't mean the crowd were so into it and all. And like it was just such a good match. So it wasn't. And I, I never actually knew the Bulldog really struggled that match with uh, his back. And Brett really helped him to get it, to get over and get it, like go through. It, so it was good. Yeah, I, I listened to a diff- an interview with Brett recently, actually. Um, it was actually with, with Stone Cold. And he was actually saying on the Bulldog was wiped out on drugs. He was on a bender. And Brett yes. really had to like talk him through that whole match as they were going and carry him through that match, which makes it even more impressive when you consider that one guy probably mentally isn't even there. That's crazy. That's nuts. That. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what now. Yeah, it, so, it like, really... Like you say, you, would, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know from, from what's that like. Yeah, so. You've said he's probably up there in your favourite wrestlers. The next question, we've probably already touched on it slightly. Your favourite wrestler and why did they draw you in? Would Brett be your number one of all time? Or what would um, be that time period? That time period, definitely. Sort of like really getting into it, sort of like you say. And then he kind of left in 97, so he did. And then probably my next favourite after that probably would have been probably The Rock, I'd say. Really, really took The Rock from early on. Yeah. Early doors. It's always a debate in mind if like the top three would always be I'd say Michael's Brett and The Rock. But if it was put in a spot to pick one, I think I'd probably have to go with The Rock. Just I think just sometimes when you go back and just watch some of the stuff on the mic, for me it's just it's pure comedy gold. And like some of my favourite matches and moments in wrestling, I have to put the rock down. Like my fa- one of the favourite matches in the build up was him and Cena, funny, uh, yeah. the first one. I think they're not the whole year the build up to that and not knowing like who was going to win. I think that's one thing I, I miss in wrestling. It's, it's not the not knowing. Yeah. I remember you used to be, used to be a kid and like you never know who, never knew who was going to win. That was the last time I really felt that and it was like really, it was just so 50 50. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it was like the rock's not going to come back and job the Cena and then you're like, Cena's not going to flip and just job the rock after being away for so many years. Like that's, that was one of my favorite like matches in the crowd and all and, yeah, it was in Florida. You were at that, weren't you? Yeah, it was. It was that the crowd was crazy, and the whole build up was brilliant to it. I thought I was actually interesting because Neil, who's on part one of this podcast, Flo Rida played a song for The Rock, Machine Gun Kelly played a song for Cena, and then they had their entrances. And looking back at it now, I remember Neil, for example, he hated that. He was like, "Just get down to the wrestling." I thought <laughs> it, I actually thought it was needed to build that sort of anticipation yeah. up. Because yeah. remember Taker and Triple H was on that card, and I felt that Taker and Triple H was so good. If you actually look back, it was probably match of the night, but everyone obviously was there for Rock Cena. Yeah. Um, and I sort of th- felt that they had a couple of filler matches in between those two. Obviously, there was a there's a good world title match between Punk and Jericho and stuff, but they also had That's like right. um a, a six man tag or an eight man tag, I think it was, and then they had. 
the Funkadactyls and Brodus Clay out dancing and things like that. And I, that bit, that that sort of stuff I had no real interest in, but I felt the little sort of concerty type thing. I thought it was good. It sort of built the stage. It set the tone as this is bigger than just a normal match. It felt bigger. And as you said, that crowd was was insane. And especially with it being in Miami as well, it was very pro-rock, but there was an element there of, you know, really passionate John Cena fans too. And yeah. one of our group that went over was he was there with his "You Can't See Me" T-shirt on, and no. he was adamant the whole week. <laughs> the Cena's pinning the Rock. The Rock's not coming back to to beat their top star clean and all this sort of stuff. So, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant um, time. And as you said, the build up to that was excellent. I thought it was brilliant from the Rock's part. I thought it was brilliant from Cena's part. I thought it was super. But deeds to finish off. You've talked about your favorite wrestler and even the build up and stuff. The fact is that. You mentioned earlier, like some of the unpredictability is gone from today's product. Would that be one of the reasons why you would either not watch today's product or do you watch today's product, but you're just not as into it? See, I really stopped, stopped really watching it religiously whenever I think I went to the Raw, raw with the three hours. I think it was just too long. Just didn't have the time to sit down and watch three hours. And that's started just started drifting out and then I think I think you said unpredictability is just gone like 9 times out of 10 if you were to get a a, a card for say Wrestlemania you can hear enough pick every, every winner yeah like it's just do I mean like even who was it like was it Goldberg and Braun Strowman like even at Wrestlemania a few months ago like you just knew you knew Goldberg's contract was only there till Wrestlemania so you yeah. knew whoever he fought if it was Roman Reigns you just knew Reigns going to beat him and then obviously he pulled out and Strowman came in and then you was just like just knew Strowman was going to win there was no yeah. there was no real point in even watching it yeah do you know what I mean where I think years we sometimes just didn't know yeah and that's one thing I just miss that like even like returns remember like people you never knew when someone was going to return yeah and you just heard the music and the pop where now if someone comes back you know they're coming back because they've been seen in an airport or they're seen backstage yeah it's uh like you say, sometimes you miss being a kid and just not not knowing what's going to happen. Or sometimes even like the internet. Sometimes you feel ruins it. Like yeah. the what was the first time I really noticed the internet ruined it was that um, Goldberg and Lesnar. Do you remember it got out in the internet when the internet really first became popular that they both were leaving after the WrestleMania. Yeah. And the crowd just booed the life out of them. Yeah. And I always think that was the first. That was a real first time the internet ruined started to ruin. Not, Ruin wrestling, but like just started to get a bit too, too clever. Yeah, for too it. involved type thing. Too involved, and like sometimes like now they try to make a star, and if people don't like them, they just can just go on the internet and just try and stop pushes and all. And you're just like, just let it go and just let it enjoy it and see what happens. That's yeah the way I try to get into it. And don't think, don't think even now, I feel bad for like even Drew McIntyre now because he got given the belt, which I think he probably deserved because he was doing really well. But like during this whole COVID with the no fans, no, yeah. there's no crowd, there's no pops or anything. Like was, yeah. when, a good, when something happens, it's good. You don't really hear a good crowd. No, I think it's it's tough to melt. Like with the yeah, it's hard to know who's people. over, isn't it? You know, with no crowd. Yeah. And I, I know I've seen there they actually have like a few actors or like a few people just in this big bang in the the shields and <laughs> shouting a few woos if Rick Flair's out the hall. Yeah. It's just so weird. Like it is. So it is. It's definitely one of those sports, you know, the football I struggled with when it came back with no fans. But after about 
couple of weeks I could get I started getting into it again I went right okay it is what it is but wrestling's sort of one of those things that I've struggled with because it, yeah. to me it is a spectator sport I know football is too but you can kind of get by with it but I feel wrestling str- struggles to be honest you know I've noticed a lot more cuts in the camera angle maybe they're changing things maybe changing the way a move looked or whatever I don't know but part of the thing that always brought me to wrestling too was it was all done once you know if something went wrong it went wrong if something looked amazing it looked amazing whereas now i've watched a few there's a one in nxt the other week where a guy done a flip over the top rope and the camera cut as he was grabbing the top rope to flip over and it moved to looking down from the aisle at the ring but if you looked at if you looked at where he landed to where the where he grabbed the rope from he's about five yards further forward (laughs) you know just little things like that annoy me because i like this the pure sort of if it, it could go wrong here because it's live i like well, that and i feel like that's sort of been taken away a little bit it's, def- it's definitely the cr- i think the crowd as for me the crowd makes it more than anything because even there you're you're asking like my favorite wrestler like even another one of my favorite matches is the rock v hogan yeah and like wrestling match it is like obviously hogan i don't know how old he was but he was completely near enough done but it was the crowd yeah like the crowd was just unbelievable, and that makes a match for me. I think it's nine times out of ten, it's the crowd. If the crowd's involved, it makes all types of match. You probably have the greatest wrestling match with no crowd, like Edge and Orton. Yeah, it just wasn't. It was a good wrestling match, but it wasn't anything. Like you need a, you need the crowd. Yeah. So you do for me. I think so too. And you mentioned there about stars as well. Like you said, The Rock and Hogan. It wasn't wasn't the greatest wrestling match, but the crowd was into it. And sort of to finish up, do you feel that? Maybe wrestling as a whole, not just WWE, the wrestling as a whole is suffering, in my opinion, because there's no stars, there's no draws, there's no one that makes you want to go, oh, I've got to watch Raw tonight because X is on the program. You know, where yeah. back when we were younger, I know obviously it's different when you're a kid, but even as an adolescent and as a young adult and stuff, you still would flick the TV on when you knew The Rock was back to face on Cena, or if when Batista came back a couple of years ago, you're thinking, oh, here's Dave from Marvel now coming back into it or whatever but i struggled now i'm thinking right i'm turning the tv on where's the stars there's no larger than life bigger personality and part of the issue for me and a lot of i could be accused of what wrestling maybe people on the internet call sizest and stuff but (laughs) i do i actually i like some of the small guys but i do struggle to get really into it whenever i think one of the guys looks like my next door neighbor Agree. Agree. Do you know, do you know what I'm trying to say that way? Do you think that yeah. plays a difference, like a draw and larger than life characters and stuff? Well, you only have to look at a scene advertiser who's come back tonight. Is it Miggles? Yeah. They're, they're trying to bring back HBK. Who's been on about for the last six weeks with Randy Orton? Rick <laughs> yeah. Fleur. Like, do you know what I mean? Rick Fleur is 71 and they're still rolling them out, yeah. as my friend would call it. But do you know what I mean? Like, Randy Orton for me is only one the minute who's any sort of star power. For me, like anybody else, no one, no one means to be the star par. Yeah, I'd say, and that's only because I think he's star par because he's already got booed. <laughs> yeah, people enjoy booing that, him. Yeah, people enjoy booing him, but like he's still there. You'll still you'd, you'd watch him, and obviously Brock Lesnar. They're obviously they're just trying to protect. He's probably just not wasting his time, bother. But like there's only real three. I think with real. Yeah, and it's sort of star star part of it. But like you say, years ago, like even the mid cards and all used to be. Yeah. Fell the star power were nice, just like it's hard. It's hard for them to get over. I think, yeah. For whatever reason, it's just it's just a tough time. I think for the rest of the minute. 
Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, Drew McIntyre, he looks the part. He, he speaks well in the microphone. He's certainly getting better and better in the ring. He's doing really well, and it's probably the most unfortunate time to be yeah. champion. You know, even in a maybe roundabout kind of way, it might have been better for him not to have beat Lesnar. You know, yeah, have some screwy finish. And then maybe when the fans are back, you have you, you sort of have him on this big rampage to get back to where he was because he was screwed out of the opportunity or something. I just feel like when you crown a new champion, like I look at Austin at Mania 14 or when Kofi won at Mania last year and things like that, it was the crowd that made it. It was being yeah. so over. And I think trying to make new stars with no crowd, just it just it just doesn't work. I don't feel it's it works. Just, no, that it, 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 it definitely is. Like you said, like I watched, he done a, a good promo last week, I think on Randy Orton and all, and they talked about like how he got sacked and all, and his head wasn't in the right place and how Randy treated him a bit like shit. And it was a really good promo, but yeah. there was no crowd reaction. If that had been this time last year, I probably would have really been over it and talked about it more. Yeah. Where it wasn't really talked about. He's just in an unfortunate time, I think. Yeah. And it's just, like you say, I agree, they probably should have just kept the belt or gave it to somebody else and then let him when everything got back to normal to try and give him that, give him that moment because he lost, he kind of lost that moment. Like, I feel sorry for the fella. Yeah, same. That's one of the things I do too. I mean, at least now, if they're, if the, even right now when they're doing title changes, at least there's like 20 people in the fans trying to make an atmosphere, but WrestleMania was eerie with no yeah, one. It, so, it was so weird. It was just so, so weird. Like, and then so was, like, you see him get to the top rope and like roar you know he's at the top rope roaring holding the belt up and there's no one there it just it was weird it was odd <laughs> DT I appreciate your time that's all my questions for you have you anything to add for yourself in terms of your childhood memories or wrestling moments or favourite wrestlers you want to add before we before we wrap up I can't think of anything else now Posse I think we got, we got through it well or so did I will I will speak to you very shortly and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Potty. Speak to you soon, John. Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.